Hey there, it's me, John Gruber, host of the talk show. And I'm here to do a little introduction for what is a very special episode. I have an interview with Lisa Jackson, Vice President at Apple of Environment Policy, uh, pretty much everything Apple does with regard to the environment. I think it went great. I think it was a fascinating interview. She's super smart, super funny. Uh, we talked for about an hour, and it is interruption-free. Uh, once I get going with Lisa, it's just going to go straight through. It's just under an hour. And how is that possible? It's made possible because we've made a deal to have an exclusive sponsor for this episode. I'm going to tell you about them right now. Give me a minute of your time to tell you about Circle with Disney. Circle with Disney is a beautiful little device designed for families to manage content and time online for the kids and the whole family. Um, it lets you. It's not. It's it's not about controlling everything your kid does on the internet, but it's about giving you the parent some sort of say in what they do online, how long they spend, and when they do it. What can it do? It lets parents filter content, customizing what's available and what's filtered by app, platform, and category. You can set time limits for things like YouTube, Minecraft, Facebook, Netflix, and even Snapchat. If your kids are staying up too late on the internet, you can set bedtime for each kid and their devices. And they have something called Insights, which is sort of an analysis of, of what everybody in your family is doing online when they do it, sort of a... Um, sort of an accounting, so you can see just how much time your family is spending on the, on the internet. Uh, what about 4G? What about LTE? They have a, a separate product called Circle Go, which you can install on your kid's smartphone, and it gives you the same sort of control over their access when they're on the cellular network or any other Wi-Fi network other than your own. So here's the deal. You buy the Circle with, with Disney. It's just a little device that plugs right in to your router. It works with just about any modern Wi-Fi router in your house could not be easier to set up and it could not be easier to manage. This is not something that turns you as a parent into a system administrator setting up some kind of complicated network. No, it's meant for non-technical parents. It's total Disney style interface. Really great product. You can get it at Amazon, Best Buy, Target, and online you can get go to their website meetcircle.com. Now that's not like beef. It's not M E A T, it's M E E T. Like you're meeting them, meetcircle.com. Use the code the talk show at meetcircle.com and you'll get free shipping and $10 off your Circle with Disney device. They're a proud sponsor of the talk show they've sponsored before and they're very much excited to be the sponsor of this show because uh, Disney is very encouraged by Lisa Jackson's efforts at Apple around environmental policy and her work on Apple's Connect Ed program. So they're very excited to be the sponsor of the show. Exclusive. So my thanks to them. Uh, and then here we go. Away with the show. Uh, so we met briefly uh, a few weeks ago when I was on campus um, for the Mac Pro thing. And the first, word, first words out of your mouth were... Oh, we talked about Jaxel and baseball. And... You said, how can a guy from Philly be a Yankees fan? And then it... <laughs> that's true. That's true. I don't understand that at all. But uh, all right, you can be if you want to, I suppose. A Mets fan, Mets for life. I, are there any Yankees fans at Apple? I get it from Schiller. He's a Red Sox fan. Uh, Steve Dowling, Red Sox fan. And now I found out you're a Mets fan. Yeah, I married into the Mets, and I can't can't ever be without them. But uh, yeah, I don't know if they're around. Maybe they're just not holding their head up too high these days. <laughs> Somehow, <laughs> I'm sure they're all going to come and find me after this airs. But they're here. They're well, if there are any Yankees fans at Apple, you should go after Lisa Jackson and 
Thanks. That's all I need. There aren't any people in the world going after Lisa Jackson. So let's just add them to the list. That'll be good. Uh, well, so we won't talk baseball, but so far so good for both the Yankees and Mets. They're both off to a good start. So neither of us yes. really has neither of us oh. has anything to rib the other about. Always about the bullpen, right? Yeah. But we'll we'll see. Okay, we'll 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 keep our fingers crossed, and hopefully, I won't talk to you later if things <laughs> go the wrong way. But uh, we are talking because uh, this this episode will air right before Earth Day, and Earth Day is a big. Uh, it's turned into an annual celebration for Apple. You guys have announcements that coincide with Earth Day every year now, correct? Yeah, that's right. It's something uh, we started back in uh, 2014. So this year, uh, I have notes here, but let, okay. me, let me make sure I don't miss anything. Um, by the time this episode airs, your 2017 environmental responsibility report will be out, and you have a big, big announcement there, which is that you guys are setting a new goal, which is a closed-loop supply chain. Can you tell me what that means? Oh, it sounds so technical. Um, you know, it, it, what we've said is that for, for years now, we said that one of our three priorities is to really recognize the fact that the resources that we use to make our products are finite, just by definition. And the world has been looking for a while, for a while at this idea of trying to close the loop on supply chains. So if you think about most supply chains, and ours is very complex, so I'm going to oversimplify you. You mine something out of the earth, you source it. Usually it comes from the earth somehow. It's a finite resource. And then you manufacture, you produce it. Obviously, there are many, many people involved in the manufacture of our products. And people use them. They buy them. They use them. That's great. Hopefully, they use them for a very long time. They get all their software upgrades. Everything's wonderful. But at some point, you have to discard it. And Apple spent uh, a lot of time and effort over the years, uh, for many years, uh, on the recycling end, you know, being able to try to bring used electronics in and recycle them. But the frustrating part of that has been, you, you know, that's still a line. <laughs> when it's time to make more products, many of our suppliers still go back to the mines, if you will, go back mm -hmm. to the earth. So one of the things we've set our sights on, and I have to start by saying this is a very long-term goal, and it's it's not like us to announce goals way out into the future, but it's, it's sort of a North Star for us, is to start to close that loop, to say, can we use recycled material, maybe our recycled material, but recycled material in general, to be more of the feedstocks for our suppliers, for the components that make up our, our products. So if you think about that for a second, it, you know, it requires all of us working together. It's kind of a systems problem, everything from design to engineering to manufacturing to procurement, um, all those relationships with suppliers. Um, but it's really something um, kind of cool for us. We've, we've sort of worked with a lot of the folks who do the work here, and I think all of us think it's just a fun uh, and really important time to focus on resources. What are you said you have there's three priorities, three main priorities at Apple in this in this regard. What are those three priorities? So they haven't changed, and I don't think they will. Uh, the first is to address climate change. And um, I say it really broadly that way because um, it's not to zero out our carbon footprint or to become um, carbon neutral, but really to look at climate change as a problem that the world is facing really the largest environmental and environmental health problem and economic problem in many places. We, know, we now see it's another big systems problem. Um, and so um, to address it, obviously the way to address it is energy efficiency, more renewable energy, cleaner energy on the grid, 
moving to a low-carbon um, world. And so we take really seriously our responsibility to first start at home. Uh, Apple um, is 100% renewably powered in 24 countries, including our own. I'm sorry, it's 96% mm. renewably powered. I'm about to get in trouble here. <laughs> uh, in 24 countries, uh, we're 100%. So in the U.S., we're 100% in 23 other countries. But when you average it out around the world, we're at 96%. And that includes our data centers. Those are at 100%. So all of our data centers, every time you send a, a message or uh, send a FaceTime video, you're using a data center that's not contributing to climate change. And it includes our uh, offices, our new office, Apple Park, of course, being one of those. Um, but um, So 96%, we're really proud of. So climate change is, is number one. We talked a little bit about resources, um, number two. And our third one kind of goes back to um, something that's been in our history for a long time, and that's to use greener materials to remove toxic uh, materials, um, usually well ahead of the game. Uh, Apple removed uh, halogenated compounds from our products years ago. Um, and so we wanted to sort of honor this history that Apple has had of pioneering the use of greener, safer, better materials, uh, and then... Um, keep that as one of our priorities because there's a lot of people here very proud of the work they did to, to accomplish, uh, for example, PVC, pow PVC free power cords. Yes. And that's become, uh, uh, you can bank on it. A hallmark of every product introduction, uh, introduction event is at some <laughs> yeah. point there's going to be that green checklist and it's not something that gets rushed through. It is, Hey, let's pause for a second. We want to tell you how awesome this product is, but we want to pause right now and just say, look at this. It's PVC free, this free, that free. That's become a, you can bank on it for every product. And, and yeah, I'm almost hoping it gets to the point where everyone says it along with us. And, you know, um, because Phil Schiller is usually the one who, who does it. Um, uh, the secretary explaining things, I call him. Um, <laughs> but, you know, he usually takes the time to really explain, you know, the products and all they do. And it makes me really proud that he always insists that one of the things he wants to explain is the time that it takes. I mean, are the materials that aren't in there. And I think it's partially because he realizes how much deep in innovation and engineering it takes to make those decisions to take those materials out. And a lot of times with pollution, it's, you know, you're talking about the stuff that didn't happen. <laughs> so that can be a hard thing for most people to appreciate or understand. But it's always really cool um, that Apple takes the time to do that. And, and part of what makes it difficult for Apple in particular is that Apple has very high standards. It's what the company is known for in, in consumers' minds, part of the brand, is that their stuff is very nice. It is nice in terms of, uh, it just looks nice, it feels nice. And sometimes, I think in the past, some of the reason that some of these uh, substances and materials that were used that are not environmentally friendly were used, it was because uh, such and such thing makes the glass shinier or something like that. And so it's, for Apple, it's not, we can't just get rid of it. It's like you can't just get rid of it. Um, you have to get rid of it and still keep the standards for the devices and the, the quality of the materials as high as possible. I think that's um, 
True. I mean, I wasn't in the labs when work was being done. I think there's also an element of sort of that's the way it's always been done. So power cords is a great example. Um, you know, do you need polyvinyl chloride in the power cord in order to make it strong enough and safe enough? Well, pretty much around the world, Apple is work to get certified power cords that don't have them. They do feel different. They are softer. But there's a really important reason why, which is that those materials are never introduced anywhere in the supply, which is really sort of a prevention of pollution for our workers and for the communities where um, manufacturing happens. I think um, I think it's also a bit of a nod to the folks in the environmental uh, testing and technologies group. You know, we have an environmental testing lab here, um, and it's grown over the years. I was actually there um, yesterday, day before. I can't even remember. The week is going by fast. But, um, you know, we've, we also have to test the parts that we get. And one of the things we've been doing is testing, so far, I think it's over 20,000 individual parts. Because a lot of things end up in a part. We, we might specify how we want the part to behave and what we want in it. But a lot of times there's material that are in there that maybe you don't need or maybe you don't realize or maybe um, we want to make sure is substituted out. And so we're also spending a lot of time. It's almost like our own little DNA project, you know, learning and understanding intimately what are in the parts that um, we get from our suppliers. One of the things, I don't want to skip around too much, but... Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I tend to do that. So Part I do too. I do too. But a lot of this stuff is interrelated. It, it's it's like all of a sudden we're talking about the the materials that are used in these devices, and it leads you immediately to talking about aspects of the supply chain. Um, but there's a, a part of the news this week is a, a series of four short videos, animated videos by. Uh, James Blagden, and I got a sneak look at them ahead of this so I can see it, but by the time the show airs, they'll be out. And they're really kind of interesting, but but they cover different different aspects of it. And one of them covers the, uh, the, the goal of having no, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but the goal is to have no waste going to landfills from the supply chain. Yeah, right now the video covers our final assembly facilities. Right. So um, those uh, that's why you'll see in the video an emphasis on sort of material coming in, which is, you know, what happens at those facilities. A lot of material and parts come in and then they're assembled and a product goes out the door. But yeah, so the emphasis on, is on this idea. Uh, and it's not a new idea, but I think Apple is really embracing it. We have... Um, Facilities now, all of our final assembly facilities in, uh, uh, you know, we have a facility in Cork, we have facilities in China, uh, we have a facility in Brazil, and um, our facility here in California are now um, certified by UL as zero waste. Um, and it was, you know, this classic um, environment versus uh you know, economy uh, argument that's so false. And it was so evident because the reason this started was looking at a problem and thinking, oh, we just got all this material and it's waste and thinking, oh, the answer is recycling. But really the answer is to think smart about 
um, why are so many things coming in but leaving empty? And can they go back? Can you take a pallet or can you take um, a tray that contains material and send it back so it can be used over and over again? And that saves money. So people really embraced it. Um, it's not always uh, easy to see that path towards um, saving money, but everybody feels really good about the idea of um, not having to send waste to a landfill in order to uh, produce our products. Yeah, in other words, it's sort of in the common sense of the word, it's kind of like a simpler form of recycling, where instead of having you know, and and again, you think about the magnitude of it, it and sometimes it it just it boggles the mind where they're talking about a, a assembly facility that is turning out one hundred and fifty thousand iPhones a day, which is crazy and you just think well every single one of those iPhones has a touch ID sensor and it comes mm-hmm. in in a tray mm-hmm. and if you can just have those trays that were used to deliver the touch ID sensors in the morning go back out and the same tray is being used to deliver the touch ID sensor in the afternoon that's it's sort of like recycling without actually having to go through all the process of actually remulching the material and and turning it into a new tray. Why turn it why turn a tray that was used once into another tray when you could just reuse the tray? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's that old adage of reduce, reuse and recycle is part of it, but it shouldn't be uh the first place we go. And I kind of like the way you're um you're explaining cuz part of our thought of these videos was, you know, not everyone at home has a final assembly facility. Um <laughs> but they do have the opportunity to think the same way about the waste that they might produce. Um, and we really wanted to connect our customers first to ha- what we do, um, but also maybe to spark in them the thoughts of, hey, that's a really interesting way of thinking about, um, you know, life in general. And maybe it applies a little to me. Maybe maybe they won't make that connection. But really just sort of make it simple, maybe thought-provoking, um, and to reach people where they are. But but also it gave us a chance, the, the video you're talking about gave uh, John a chance to tell his story. And there are just so many cool stories at Apple of people who don't have to but want to do the right thing and figure out um, – through maybe a little bit of trial and error. John has a little bit of a trial and error moment in that short video, but, you know, they figure out what to do. And then um, the beauty of Apple, of course, is once we figure out what to do, um, we learn how to do it at scale pretty quickly. (laughs) Yeah, I've noticed that, like, my my son is in seventh grade, and it's not like a rule. It's not like they're told everybody has to come in with it, but as far as I can tell, every kid comes into school every day with a like a thermos or a, you know, aluminum water bottle. And so for drinking water, nobody br- brings in, uh, you know, like the retail bottles of water. Every, every kid comes in with, with a little thermos that they just fill with cold water at the beginning of the day. Yeah. And, and they don't see it, right? I'm guessing your son doesn't see it as a pain or, uh, anything weird. He actually just thinks of it as the way to drink water. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> exactly. No, uh, my son is considerably older than yours, but, uh, you know, he, I was talking to him yesterday and he, I said, you know, what'd you have for lunch? I didn't eat. I said, <laughs> oh, you know, so then as a mom, I'm upset. But then he, he, I'm like, what'd you do? He's like, I drank water all day. I was like, how you do that? He said, I brought a water bottle from home, mom, you know, just like leave me alone. But they don't, you know, it's not a big deal. And no. it's not seen as, um, like, like you don't need to buy this, you know, bottled water. It's, it's right there. It's for yep. us. It's actually one of the blessings we have in this country is a 
mostly secure supply of clean drinking water. Yeah, but it's it, that's exactly it though. It just seems it just comes naturally to to kids today. It doesn't it doesn't seem like they they don't even see it as like oh I'm doing my good deed for the environment. It's just this just makes sense. Absolutely, and I, I I sometimes wonder like what things what other things will be that way. I know climate change will be that way. Um, so, but you know, you just you wonder what other things will sort of be baked in with mm. an ethic that's a lot more thoughtful about the planet and sort of your role in the planet. Um, one of the other videos, uh, and I, again, <laughs> skipping around a little bit, but it's okay. It's all in your purview. Uh, one of them focused on the new uh, Apple Park and yeah. how the the building is. I don't think it's a stretch to say that it's an innovative design to cooling, that it's a, like a combination of cold water running through pipes and a, a sort of a breathable, let the wind blow through the building to, to circulate. Um, can you tell me more about that? Yeah, you know, I so these will be out and hopefully everybody will see them. But if you haven't seen the building with uh, Dan Wisenhunt, who's done a, a lot of the work overseeing um, uh, the construction and of Apple Park. Um, Dan talks about, you know, the the way the building was designed by Foster and Partners to be a breathing building. And he does a lovely job, and um, Blagden does a great job of sort of illustrating the idea of here's the typical building, and here's how this one works. Um, now, you know, we have kind of a um, – we have an advantage. First off, we're in, you know – uh, Silicon Valley in Cupertino, and uh, the climate here is is mild, although it can get pretty warm in the summer. It's not New Orleans hot like what I'm used to, but um, it's it's hot. You get warm, but seventy five percent. I was going to oh. mention Philadelphia humidity, but you you, you trumped me with. You know, I think they're almost the same. It's the same as D.C. People used to say, oh, New Orleans is so hot. And I'm like, no, it's not as hot in the summer when it's humid. There's just nothing like it. Uh, But, you know, 75% of the time at Apple Park, uh, we're estimating that um, there won't be a need for additional air conditioning. And you're right. The building sort of is designed to have this um, flow of air. It would be sort of convection into the building uh, through these louvers and then past um, concrete that has cool water circulating in it. Uh, and that should be enough. And it is also designed to have a lot of air do that. And so, um, you know, there's lots of studies that show that sort of outside air, sun, uh, sort of is actually the environment we humans were meant to be in, not these artificially conditioned environment. Um, and the building is on track to be um, certified by the U.S. Green Building Council as LEED Platinum. That's their highest um, uh, certification for environment and energy um, efficiency and smartness. And so we're really proud of that because it includes the R&D facilities. It's really an R&D uh, park as much as it's an, an office building. So it's going to be exciting. Um, I'm, I, I'm thrilled for the day we actually move in, although I know it's going to be a little bit of madness, but it'll be <laughs> awful fun. Moving is always madness. Moving <laughs> the world's largest corporation in <laughs> across town is really I, I don't know what could go wrong really <laughs> um all right here's a question that i have and i i would like explain it to me like i'm an idiot what it means what renewable energy means in the sense of 96 percent of your operations are running on renewable energy and 
in 24 countries 100%. Explain to me what that means and why, why I should care. So, you know, we, we set a goal to run on 100% renewable for all of our operations. And I, I just want to say, notably, we set a goal from the beginning to run data centers on renewable energy. Um, you should care because climate change is real, it's happening, and any responsible company ought to be thinking about um, its role in solving that problem. It's just that simple to me. I mean, you know, Tim talks a lot about companies are made of people and companies have values and they should stand for things. And this company has said very clearly that one of the things we stand for is taking care of our environment. Um, I don't think that's, you know, in any way partisan either. I think most people would say less pollution is good, (laughs) you know, um, more pollution is bad, but also the idea that having the planet and having the resources of the planet around for future generations is really important. And then you're a parent, but uh, I think many of us think about our obligation to future generations, not to leave a place that's, you know, heading to the point where the only option is to, you know, recolonize or colonize another planet. just doesn't seem like the uh, parental thing to do. Um, and so there's, there's all kinds of reasons, um, and I, I could get... I can wax all day about climate change. But what we said is, look, ideally, you know, we are not a power company. We are not a utility. If the world was where we want it to be today, there'd be a utility saying, hey, what kind of power do you want to buy? Okay, sure, here, I'll sell it to you. That would be awesome. We don't have that choice everywhere. So Apple has the ability to do a little bit more. So in general, we know how much energy we use in a particular country, in a particular region, and our goal is to put that much or more clean energy onto the grid where we use it. Um, so a couple of things. The idea is has to be new clean energy. So we don't want to just come in and buy all the available clean energy because then there's nothing left for somebody else to buy. That doesn't seem very fair. Um, and wherever possible to displace dirtier energy. So because we're there, there's this new clean energy, and maybe it means you don't need as much of the more polluting forms of energy. Um, and then we try to be very fastidious about um, about quantifying that. So we true up at the end of every year. So, um, you know, when people ask me, well, that means you're not always using the exact clean energy electron that you generate because we have uh, solar powers on top right. of Apple Park. We have, um, I mean, solar farm at our data centers. We have... Uh, wind power uh, that we purchase here in California. We even have like micro hydro projects in uh, in Oregon. We don't always have that connection. It has to go through the grid, and the grid plays an important role. But it's like an ATM. We make sure we're putting enough clean energy, new clean energy in to cover what we have to take out. And although that's not the absolute optimum, to us it feels like if every company did that, we'd have a lot more clean energy uh, on the grid and demanded on the grid, and that would displace brown power. I is it a source of frustration for you? It, it, it either either in your current role, specifically at, at one company, Apple, or looking even broader at at your career. And previously, for anybody who doesn't know, for for four, first four years of the Obama administration, you were the the head of the EPA. Um, is it a source of frustration for you that more companies don't seem to have a, 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 as high a priority on using renewable energy? 
You know, I think companies are 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 moving in that direction. You know what what we always knew at EPA and was really clear to me here is, you know, a business needs certainty and has to make decisions based on uh, where policy is going, where it thinks the world is going. And it has been really clear to most big, you know, multinational companies, I think, for some time that uh, we're going to be living in a carbon-constrained future. Um, it's not clear how it's going to be constrained. I mean, there's the Paris Climate Accords. There are all kinds of policy discussions going on around the world about how to get to lower carbon um, and some countries are, are in the middle of that transformation in a very big way. So I think a lot of companies over the last uh, eight to 10 years had to decide what to do and have made the decision to incorporate energy efficiency, of course, because uh, that's cheaper and cleaner, um, but also um, renewable energy. And that's true in states like Texas, certainly in states like California. But, you know, we have a big data center in Nevada. Um, it's true there. Uh, we have a big data center in North Carolina, <laughs> which is uh, on its third solar farm now. So, um, you know, I, I, I don't – when I left EPA, the one thing I thought was – because I'm an engineer, a chemical engineer by training, actually, a lot around all these computer science and electrical engineers, so go figure. But, um, you know, I wanted to go back to my roots and sort of say, I believe, I've always believed that business has not just a role, but a responsibility. Uh, part of the reason I became an engineer um, or an environmental sort of engineer is that I remember being in school and thinking as a chemical engineer, we make all this chem this hazardous waste. Chemical engineers should be responsible as a profession for stopping this problem. Mm. Uh, and so I think that's sort of how we think of it here. And I think more companies are seeing it that way. It is it is a little depressing that there's some old thinking out there still, which is you can either have economic growth or you can have a clean environment, but that's that's old fashioned thinking and uh, we really need people to sort of look look beyond that and really think about the problem and innovate around it. I, that's something that, and again, I'm I'm very much a layperson in the expertise on this, but it, at a common sense level, it frustrates me to hear that argument of economic growth being tied to we can't spend money on – we have to do things the cheapest way possible right now, which would be to continue using fossil fuels and just spewing carbon into the air uh, versus it's, it's like an idealism – that we can't afford to go to cleaner and renewable sources. That's the, what frustrates me with that argument is that it, isn't that where all this opportunity is where new companies or even existing companies could like a, a, a existing energy companies could stand to make a fortune if they make major breakthroughs in renewable energy. Well, sound like an environmental and energy expert to me, John. I mean, it's not surprising you see it because you're also used to the thinking um, in in the valley, and it's not only in the valley, but this idea that um, you know we need to apply the same level of innovation to the environment and our work to protect the planet as we do to the other work that we do. In Apple's case, to our products and. As soon as you start to see innovation as the way forward, 
um, then you realize that the only limitation is, you know, our imagination, our creativity, and our persistence, you know, the sweat you put into something. So when we talk about wanting to use more recycled materials in our products, it's about looking at a supply chain that right now is just not going to be sustainable over time. There won't be enough, or some country might decide to, you know, control the supply of materials needed. And the price just goes up. So how how can we get ahead of that? It's all about uh, innovation and not looking. Um, I also like to say, because, you know, I am a little bit of a nerd, that the thing about an engineer is that engineers wake up. And at Apple, it's absolutely true. We wake up when you give us a hard problem. Um, and we look at it as a challenge. And if I have one complaint about my profession, it's that we need to continue to in, include the idea of ethics. Like, you know, solving the problem, part of the elegant solution has to be thinking about whether it's truly a sustainable one. Economically sustainable, yes, but who's being harmed in this solution? And I think good companies are there, and I hope that customers start to expect and demand that of companies because right now I really believe that a lot of the leadership that we're going to see on these issues has to come from businesses who stand up and dispute this idea that they need to pollute in order to profit. Yeah, I, 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 I hope at least that it sort of changes from consumers, maybe like environmentally conscious consumers, a smaller a niche of them, if you will, keeping a white list of a handful of good companies who are environmentally conscious to more of a broader, here's a blacklist of companies who are clearly disregarding the environment in their actions and operations. I'm not going to do business with them because it's, it, I find that offensive. Yeah, it's like a gray-green list, you know, khaki, I think. But yeah, absolutely. You know, I just, I agree with you. And I also don't think, I think co- consumers are, uh, you know, sort of confused too, because you have companies of all stripes standing up and claiming, especially this week, you know, as we roll into Earth Day, uh, how, you know, sort of putting forth their green credentials. And Apple's no different, so I think it, it tends to make people a bit cynical. So part of the videos was also opening up a little and showing that um, all these claims you make take work and effort. And um, all these promises that we make, you know, we try not to make them if we don't know how we're going to get there. But in some cases, they they require a lot of persistence. And so, one of the frustrations I've had also is, frankly, um, there's a lot of people out there who claim to say, you know, they make lists. Everybody makes lists. But uh, what I want people to know is that, uh, for me, this company, Apple, is thinking, you know, years, decades ahead about how to influence our sector, the tech sector, the consumer products uh, sector, um, and make it better, Um and leave the world, as Tim would say, leave the world better than we found it. One of the other uh, announcements you guys have this week is that in a partnership with um, the WWF, which when I see it, I still think of the wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> well, they would not like to hear that. I know, I know. You know but props to WWF. But. It's, but it's not the wrestling organization. It's the, no, it's the World Wildlife Fund. Right. And you guys, in partnership with them, have gotten over 300,000 acres of working forest in China to be recommended for what's called the Forest Stewardship Council certification. And that means that Apple is now protecting and creating 
sustainable working forest as much as is needed to cover the your paper needs for the packaging that you guys make. In, yeah. Uh, in plain English, does that mean that as much paper as you guys are using for packaging, there's trees that are being regrown at the same rate that they're being used to turn into paper? Yeah, I like that. You know, you see, you should be in the videos because um, <laughs> you're explaining stuff really well, too. Um, yeah, that's exactly it. A while ago, um, uh, actually, I just started at Apple, and the woman who runs packaging, amongst other things, Kate Bergeron, was, we were all at dinner having a glass of wine, and she was like, you know, I've been thinking for a long time we should buy a forest. And um, it was sort of my introduction to, you know, think different at Apple, <laughs> this idea that somebody who does packaging would go that far deep in her thinking, you know, really analyzing the problem. And, of course, she was trying to get at that very problem which is packaging is made out of paper. Um, by the way, our packaging is increasingly almost entirely paper. We tr we've tried to phase out plastics because we think paper can be a renewable resource. Um, and what if we controlled how that paper was, you know, how the wood was harvested and the pulp was um, made? And so uh, we didn't buy the forest ourselves, but we found great partners. Um, in the U.S., we found a, a group called the Conservation Fund. So we have 36,000 acres in Maine and North Carolina that they've worked to preserve and ensure remain in sustainable forestry. So working forests, yes, trees are chopped, but trees are also planted. And then uh, we found WWF in China, and there it's not a land ownership issue. It was a management issue. We had these big basically paper, um, they call them plantations, and um, making sure that they were being managed sustainably, which has been a, a goal of China's as well. So we found the right partner. They have some great people um, on the ground in China, uh, Chinese folks who are uh, really deeply involved in working with these um, Chinese businesses. And we're really proud of the fact that based on the work they've done in just, I think, about two years, we've gotten to the point where those forests, the two of the three of them are producing enough um, uh, sustainably and responsibly managed wood to cover our needs. Now, we've also done something on the other end, which is back to that old reduce, reuse, recycle. We wanted to reduce how much virgin paper we need for packaging. So we've really upped our work on using recycled paper. And we've also upped our work to make packaging smaller and lighter whenever we can. Uh, so we still have work to do. Um, you know, this is it's a long road. And so I don't want it to sound like we're there. But we're really proud of the fact that this year we hit that milestone. And and again, this is another one of those things where the stakes are very high for Apple because Apple products are known for having beautiful packaging. And so it's not enough to just say, well, we'll take out the plastic and we'll use cardboard or some kind of paper. It has to be nice. Yeah, it has to be more than nice, right? I mean, I think that's maybe the the thing I didn't emphasize enough. I don't... I didn't want to come here and do this in a way where people felt they were giving something up in order to do something good. Um, and I don't mean that to sound, you know, it's sort of like, again, back to your son. You know, he doesn't, he's doing something good, but it doesn't change his experience. He still feels really good. He's getting the water he needs. I mean, for us here at Apple, we understand that, um, you know, our customers love our products. They feel emotionally attached to the experience all the way from taking it home to unboxing it to turning it on the first time to seeing the hello. 
uh, all the way through use and, and upgrades. So none of that is what we're trying to impact. And in fact, we won't allow it to happen that way. I don't, I don't think anybody here would allow us to uh, impact that. Um, what we're trying to do is make sure people understand that all these really smart people here are thinking about ways to make it green and better and produce without, you know, harming the planet. So you don't have to. So you can feel really good about the purchase that you make so that you know that part of making the best products in the world is making the best products for the world. I, I would like to talk, this is an area where I, I just don't know much about it, about transportation. Because just going back to that basic idea of like an assembly uh, a plant in China that's, that's manufacturing 150,000 iPhones a day. And let's say it's September and there's a new iPhone. Uh, and the day that it comes out, there are millions of UPS drivers around North America ringing doorbells, dropping off pre-ordered iPhones. To get all those iPhones from China to North America... And then once they get to North America to distribute them to everybody who purchased it, there's an awful lot of fossil fuel being burned on that, right? Yeah, you know, transportation as a sector for our carbon footprint is actually a very uh, small percentage of our, our carbon footprint. I'll, I'll get you the number I'm looking as I speak. But, um, you know, we do a comprehensive carbon footprint for Apple. Um, this year, for 2016, for the year just passed, it's 29.5 million metric tons. And transportation of our product is 4% of that. So hmm. do the math really quickly. Um, included in that carbon footprint is... Uh, you know, some, some people say cradle to grave. We're trying to get rid of the grave and and make a closed loop system. But right now, all the way from the mine, even though we don't, you know, we don't own mines, we don't have relationship with mining companies, but we estimate the, you know, the extraction and processing of, let's say, the, you know, alumina or um, to to make aluminum uh, enclosures, all the way through product use. We actually include in our carbon footprint. The um, the uh, you know the use the electricity you use as an Apple customer because you wouldn't use that electricity if it wasn't for Apple. So um, all the way to recycling. So it's it's not a huge part of our carbon footprint, um, but four percent is nothing to sneeze at. The biggest part of our carbon footprint is actually in the manufacturing. All those suppliers that are in our supply chain. Um, and so one of the other things we're doing is spending time with them. Now that we're at 96% renewable, we've learned a lot. Um, and so now we're trying to bring them along. And this year, um, uh, we're announcing three new suppliers um, who've committed to go 100% renewable for all their operations, uh, Compal, Sunwoda, Sun and Beal. Uh, and that brings us to seven suppliers. And I think that number is going to keep going up. Um, I don't want to act like all of them are doing it just because of Apple, but those seven have made an Apple-specific commitment, and there are others who are doing it on their own. Um, so, you know, yes, transportation is a problem um, that we need to think about, and we can do that, you know, when you make a lighter um, product in a smaller mm. package, it helps with transportation uh, emissions. Um, and uh, when we think about 
uh, marine, so taking it by ship versus air, that helps with transportation. Um, and so every little bit will help, but we are tackling the biggest places first, the hardest. But in other words, you guys aren't sweeping any aspect of it under the rug by saying, well, that's not us, right? Like this is this is what Apple, actual Apple employees are doing in Apple-owned buildings and anything that happens from the mine until it gets there, that, that we're not taking that into account. You guys are really trying to account for everything. Yeah, because you can't change the world if, if you stop at your, you know, at your theoretical borders. You have to change yourself first. You have to lead by example and not demand of others what you're not willing to do. But um, I think we're one of the... Um, few companies, I won't say the only companies in the world, who take this very comprehensive look at our carbon footprint and um, look to, first, we'd love to get it to zero, which would mean that all those suppliers would be at zero uh, carbon footprint. Um, and we're trying to do it right now, um, not not using offsets or credits. Um, it, you know, there might be some places in the world that it's just not possible <laughs> to do that right now. But uh, that's where we are. That's why we're at ninety six percent. Not, not saying a hundred because we could get to a hundred if we just bought bought some credits. Right. And so we're still working hard on that. Um, and yeah, it feels really good to be that expansive because then you can inspire the energy folks, uh, you know, the product power folks to make the most efficient products in the world because every time you save, you know, a watt of energy on. Um, on a MacBook, you're saving a tremendous amount because we sell so many of them. So, right. it you know, the more expansive you are, the more, I guess, playing field you have to play with, to go back to the sports analogy. Yeah, there's there's an old story from, uh, like, the 80s of the the creation of the original Macintosh where, where I forget, somebody had a stopwatch and timed how long it took the prototype to start up. And, and Steve Jobs said, you got to get that, you got to cut 30 seconds off of that. And they're like, why? And he was like, well, we're going to sell millions of these things. Multiply by that, that by 30 seconds. <laughs> and you get like, you, you know, it came out to like, I don't know, 87 years. He goes, there you go. You saved a life. Yeah, yeah. I read, I read that and it's like word. that with energy, right? You take, <laughs> yeah. you take uh, you know, 70 million iPhones and a quarter. And if you can make them a little bit more energy efficient. Every little bit you multiply by the 70 million that were just sold and it adds up. Yeah, I think the number is something like since 2008 on average, our products are 70% more efficient, more energy efficient. And there's been some great, you know, big techno technology innovations in there. And I also want to be really clear, back to that idea that you don't have to sacrifice. Those are all things that make the experience better. Right. You know, energy efficiency, the flip side of that is battery life. You know, if something doesn't use a lot of energy, you need a smaller battery or you need a battery or your battery of whatever size, you know, goes longer, it goes longer on a charge. So um, all these things tend to have sort of comp compounding reasons. And uh, sometimes they're even based on the customer experience, but there's a happy sort of, you know, carbon benefit as at the same time or environmental benefit too. You you said earlier that this these this sort of thinking shouldn't be seen as partisan. That it really, and I think that the the cynics take on that would be that Apple, as the most profitable company in the world, can afford to be uh, can afford to spend on this idealism. 
But I, I think your argument would be that no, it's Apple as the most profitable company in the world can show that having a focus on this sort of stuff is not at odds with being profitable. Yeah, and I, I mean, it, it's the right thing to do. I don't think, I think if you go back to sort of, you know, core human values, you know, protecting the planet where we live, where our children, you know, grow up, where we work, the places that we, you know, used to fish or swim as a kid, the drinking water that we all honestly take for granted because we've, most of us um, haven't had the experience of, say, people in Flint where right. you literally have to, you know, shower and wash your face with bottled water. I mean, all those things are just goods. And so, you know, when when the, when we think about the environment, it shouldn't, you know, our, our position is we're not we're not taking a side in terms of whether um, uh, any political approach is right. We're just saying this is something that is definitely a good. It's good to have um, to be efficient, to be thoughtful and careful. Kind of the you know. What my grandmother said, you know, waste not, want not. This idea that, you know, in a in a world where we have been incredibly fortunate as a country or as a people, um, to to think of that as our responsibility. I think, it, you know, for me, uh, it, it, it's sort of almost a moral thing. But um, yeah, it's 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 not about having the money to do it. It's about figuring out the innovations that would then you know, hopefully spread out like ripples and allow others to do it too. Um, I think if you went to someone who right now um, has a utility bill and there was a way that they could have cleaner uh, energy um, that would also reduce their utility bill, they would be for it. And right. so that's a policy question. Um, I, I don't think it depends on what party you're in. If you ask somebody, do you, would you rather have solar power? I think it's kind of a cool thing. Where do you see the role that the, the between the government and something, you know, in the U.S. like the EPA and a business like Apple taking initiative on its own to do these things? Yeah, you know, we, um, from the EPA perspective, there wasn't a ton of places where EPA and uh, Apple intersected. EPA uh, is a regulatory agency, and uh, there are regulations that definitely affect um um, the technology sector, but you know, regulations in many cases, not all cases, are meant to set the floor. Um, they definitely, they just can't set the ceiling. And right. in fact, if they set a ceiling, they're not doing the right thing. Um, they should be there to help innovation go forward. Um, and you know, uh, I'm not for every single piece of regulation, especially those that seem to be picking, um, you know, which innovations um, should or shouldn't go forward. I think that requires real thoughtfulness. Um, but, you know, I, I think for companies like ours, um, it's not to say we don't have times when we have regulations that affect us. It's not to say, you know, I don't, I don't want anybody to walk away from this thinking we figured out how to do it right all the time. We will have problems um, like any other company will, but our general orientation is to trying to do um, the best we can to meet the goals we've set for ourselves around climate change, around greener materials, and around conserving um, and being really smart and not wasteful about resources. All right, one last question that I have for you. Where where do you think Apple is 
least up to snuff? Like, where is the where <laughs> where can you guys improve? Where do you guys have the most opportunity for improvement? Oh man, that's like the interview question when they ask <laughs> you for your one flaw. You know, you don't answer that, but. I mean, there are, there are tons of things that I wish I could snap my fingers and would be done. You know, um, I, I wish we could make, uh, a better, uh, connection with our customers so we got more of our products back at end of life. Uh, I think we have a ton of work to do. I mean, we had just outlined this big, hairy goal around, um, starting to close loops for different materials. And so, um, I think that that's going to be a big um, area of focus for us. I mean, it, it's a it, it has to be done in a way that that maintains all the things that Apple so that, Apple is. That's a great. So that's a great point. Uh, somebody buys, a, let's say, a, a MacBook Pro, and they use it for the next four or five years, and they get a great time out of it, and they upgrade, and they take that old one, and they just put it in a closet, and they think, well, this. This old MacBook Pro, it's still good, but you know I'm going to get a new one. They put it in a closet, and then a couple more years go by, and they're like, "Why do I still have this old MacBook Pro?" <laughs> yeah. Right? And at that yeah. point, or at least that's the way I—that's the way my closet works. Exactly. At that point, it's you don't want them to just put it in the trash. You want them to do, you know, like the the fact that this complicated, fancy laptop is made out of recyclable materials. It's it's not you can't just put it in the blue recycling bin where your aluminum cans go to get it properly recycled. Right. Uh, what we'd love uh, to have happen is that it comes back either to an Apple store or that you go online and ask for a mailing uh, box or envelope. Um, we'll take back at the stores any any product, any Apple product you bring in. Um, that's our Apple Renew program. Uh, we, you know, we are also emphasizing in the stores the programs that we have that allow you to um, upgrade. So if you're a tech person who does like um, the latest technology, we want that. Um, you know, we want last year's or uh, the year before's um, model back because it still has value, first off. Uh, you know, a lot of the reason people love Apple is that if you if you want to sell your product yourself or uh, trade it in, um, it has a, a great value. Um, but at the end of life, and that could be, you know, a long time away. I mean, we have people still rocking uh, fours and uh, I think threes out there. But, you know, when when the time comes, we'd still like to have it back. Um, it is a bit of a challenge, by the way, to then make sure all that material gets back in the recycling chain because it's, you know, it's very different and very diverse. We're starting to have quite a bit of a catalog back behind right. us. Um, but that's part of the challenge. Well, and, that, was the, um, that was the video that was shown when you were on stage a few events ago with the robot who disassembles iPhones. Yeah, Liam. Liam. <laughs> Liam is actually a twin now um, here in California and actually over in Europe. Um, yeah, and the idea was um, to think about that disassembly step and understand um, if you think of this thing as a chain or a big circle, every step influences the one before and, and again. So how do you disassemble this product and do it in a way where you maximize the ability to maybe get tin uh, back or get aluminum back or um, as we're starting to to look at uh, with batteries get cobalt back mm -hmm. and so um, when you start to think about this challenge not to 
not to scare myself, which I can do. Um, it's, you know, it's material by material, component by component, product by product, because the camera is different in, you know, um, the iPhone, you know, 6 than it is in the iPhone uh, 7. So uh, those are all challenges we're willing to take on. Um, but, you know, the customer's role in that is to, wherever possible, I'm not asking anybody to give up their first, their first iPhone, but wherever possible to, um, to get those products back to Apple. And uh, the other thing that's online that's really important is a lot of people have security concerns. Your, your life is on your yeah. device. Um, and so to make sure you wipe it, um, we'll, we'll be um, looking out to do that as well. But a lot of people don't want to part with them because of the data that's on it. So um, there's instructions on how to do that as well. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, anything else that you wanted to talk about today? No, I guess we covered it. We got to we got to give a shout out to Drexel, right? Ah. Can I say hi to my son Brian, who's a dragon? Hey, Drexel, go dragons! All uh, right. No, that's an amazing connection between between the two of us. Your son is uh, uh, doing game what game design, game development. At, yes. At Drexel. Yes. I'm hoping that is an actual major, but no, so. it is. I, 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 it wasn't when I was there, uh, but I I actually know the program. I am familiar with it, and I yeah, keep no. <laughs> I am teasing. It is an amazing program, and I am a huge fan of the school. So um, shout out to Brian and his friends and the amazing uh, group over there in Westfall and it in would the engineering. Be, school. It would be pretty funny to imagine some college students just sit, <laughs> sitting around playing PlayStation all. <laughs> Day and tells his mom, I'm, I'm studying game design. And look, your son is young, but let me just tell you, beware. <laughs> they, they get real smart real fast. Real, real fast. Lisa Jackson, thank you so much for your time. It has been an absolute pleasure talking right to you. I got you. Have a good Earth Day, and uh, I hope, hope to see you soon. Thanks. Happy Earth Day.